We are live. Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 197. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? 197 sounds like. Is that right? It's it is. I actually went through the archives and and looked and saw episodes wow. one through ten. They're still there somewhere. I still have them. Damn. And yeah, we're up to one ninety seven. It's been quite a journey. It's been actually it's quite impressive. Be, it'll be five years next month. We've been doing this. Damn, isn't that crazy? I always I think like, it's like two or three years that we've been doing. It. I'm like, yeah, now it's more. No, it's going to be five. And I think both of our lives have changed significantly since we started. I think we've, we've, have we matured? Have we grown as people? I'd like to think we have. I was a younger man back then. We were a lot younger men. Life was simpler. (laughs) It was. It was, but we've grown. We've gotten wiser. We've gotten to be better communicators. We've gotten more fans, more friends out of this. So it's been, we do have a lot more friends. I've talked to some awesome people that have become friends because of the podcast. So this has been a great journey and we're almost at the big 200, which we're still working on planning. So thank you everybody so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out. Skibumpodcast.com. All of our info is there. If you could please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting app. The big ones, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. If you want to send us an email, you can hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to buy some sweet swag like this dope shirt I'm wearing right now or this dope hat, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. We're on Pinterest, we're on SoundCloud, we're on YouTube, we're all over the place. But thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. This is the People's Podcast. You know, we we talk to people. We podcast we, for the people. You know, we do for snow people. You know, the people I talk to, I'm like, hey, what do you think of the show? What are the things you like? What don't you like? What would you want to hear? What you, do you not want to hear anymore? Because I want it to, I really want it to be what we always say it is, your weekly audio ski trip. This is, you know, this came about because of us doing all those drives to Vermont and the stories we talked about, the things we were interested in, like we just said, record it and let's make a, put it out there and see if people like it. So imagine we're in your car with you and we want to make sure it's the things that you want to hear. Yeah, not every episode. We're not going to change just for you, Mr. Selfish. But you know, in general, if people like certain things or don't like certain things, we want to make sure we can evolve and change too. That's right. So thank you so much for listening. It's time for so that, Mario, today. let's kick it off the way we always do. It's a good old Apre today. So I got a, uh, it's been a while that I had a special, a beer that's special to my heart. There's a lot of trying new stuff or, you know, trying a new drink or something like that. And today I wanted to go back to an old favorite of mine that I found recently in a, in a, a store after searching out and you find your source for stuff. You're like, Oh, I, I can get this all the time now. So, uh, I'm going to drink we'll it. Out of, yeah. Going to drink it out of my, uh, nice, wonderful glass that I got at Lawson's. Ooh. Cause it's that special. So I figured let me do a special glass and this would be the dogfish. Oh boy. The one twenty hundred and twenty minute IPA. Now I don't really know why they call it one twenty Cause I don't I like to read. Just going to ask that question. 
Um, but they have the, how long they boil the hops in there or cook the hops in the the mash. I don't know. It's like they have the the sixty. They have a sixty one minute, but you usually find on tap the sixty and sometimes the ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that one twenty, if you find it on tap, it's like the twice a year they do the the big release. And I remember going to um, I think it was in Atlantic City at the uh, the uh, uh, beer festival, the beer event they have we were talking to one of the head guys at at um dogfish and he was saying how they used to brew they tried brewing you know because it's everybody loves this and they want to brew more of it they tried brewing it one year in this massive batch but the problem is the alcohol content gets so high that it kills the yeast and they lost about a half a million dollars because the whole batch got like killed off so what they do now is they brew it in smaller batches and then mix them together the successful ones. So it's kind of pretty cool that they do that, but, um, like survival, the fittest, then the ones that survive and live are the ones that get to move on. Exactly. It's like 300. But one of the things I noticed in the recent years is that like places that have them on tap, there's some people that will get them and they'll hold them in their cooler, like the, you know, the keg or the pony keg that they get, they actually hold it in the cooler for like three, five years, something like that. And now I notice on the, on the bottle, they actually put on their age as well. Oh yeah. Because that's become the big thing. Now people are saying like, Oh, you got to have one that's like age three years in the bottle or in the, in the keg or five years. It's a little, it's a little different. So this has been aged, uh, maybe about two months. <laughs> in my refrigerator. Uh, so that's about it, but, um, let's try it. Oh God, that's delicious. (laughs) Now this is 12 ounce. When you, when you get it in the, uh, in the bar, this is probably about what they estimate 12. It's not even known. They just do a 12 plus, uh, percent, Percent, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty beefy, uh, percent wise, but I tell you, it drinks real well. It's a, it's a little nice little sweet, little caramely, um, has that dogfish taste and it is in the IPA range, but it still tastes more to me. Like it's like an IPA porter almost, you know what I mean? Like it's got that sweet booziness that you get from like a porter or something. So, um, but it's, it's definitely delicious so this is uh you know uh an imperial this is an ipa uh and let's see and this is definitely more in the highfalutin area than the ski bum area because yeah what are these usually go a bottle about nine ten bucks these are 11 but there's 11 but there's not a big demand so i bought I was able to buy as many as I wanted at a time. Now, if anybody searched for this, what happens is first you got to use their fish finder to see where they deliver it. And this is still true. Kind of like when you, we used to get Hetty Topper or Super Sunshine. Um, so they tell you where it's being delivered or who has it. And a lot of times when you go there, the entire store will get like one case or one four pack or a few four packs. So a lot of times they limit you to buying one at a time only. Um, so I found a place down here, I guess it's Florida. It's hotter. People don't know what they're doing because they're from the, uh, from the Midwest, but Midwest, they, they want to spend their money on crystal meth. Exactly. Meth is a lot cheaper, you know, pound Bang for, pound. for your buck. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, this one, it's it actually says on it. Yeah, so I found this. Um, uh, there's a place called Luke and Liquors. They're big down here, and they had it. They have a good beer selection. That's where I get a lot of the uh, the beers. That other one that I was talking about to you, the other West Coast IPA, they have it on tap everywhere. I got to visit the brewery and see if they have it on a can so I could send you. Because that one is very close to being the Florida version of the Sip of Sunshine. Ooh. It's absolutely delicious. They have it on tap everywhere here. Who makes um, that? It's a place called Escape Brewing Company. Escape? Yeah. But they don't bottle... Well... I heard they can it, but they don't distribute it in the can. They distribute it in the kegs, and then the bars have it in the kegs, like out on Clearwater Beach and like all over, like various parts of Florida, Hillsborough, Pinellas County, that that kind of stuff. So it's delicious. I got to say, that's one of my favorites. And I talk to a lot of beer connoisseurs down here, and they're like, oh, yeah, that one's pretty good. Oh, nice. Um and then, you know, like down here, we got like Funky Buddha, Motorworks. Like there's a lot of good breweries down here. Uh, and that's one of the ones that's not as well known that everybody's like, oh, this is pretty good. Uh, so this one they're saying, they're saying it's it's dry hopped for over a month. Dry hopped for over a month. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I actually had a couple bottles sitting in my fridge still from I think 2014. So nice. Look at you aging them. I need to break them out because they're just kind of sitting there. Now, what I do with wine is I'll write, I have a um one of those uh paint markers. I write on the bottom some stuff. Like if I get a really good bottle of wine, like when I was in Italy, I got Barolo. So I wrote on there, you know, the date that I got it, or at least the month and the year, and then you know. I'll write other stuff. Sometimes I'll write like what the wine spectator rating was or how much I paid for it. Like I write various stuff, but you just get a nice little paint marker, write it on there. And then when you open it, you know, or if you're looking, you kind of look through like, Oh, that's a good bottle. I'm not going to, you know, this isn't the group that I'm going to open up the nice bottle for. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but this yeah, is, you can do that with the, the Charles Shaw crowd. <laughs> that's right. You can do that with the dogfish. Right on the bottom of it, be like, oh, I know this is five years now. You know, if I had a time machine, I would definitely be able to say when I got that. But yeah, it's it's been at least five years, probably closer to to six at this point. So oh, that's it's very good. Can't oh. break that out soon. That's a birthday beer. I gotta say, yeah, it's a special one. Special one for one ninety seven. I think progressively up to two hundred, they're gonna get better and better. I think so. If I start getting higher a- end. I'm setting the bar at 120 and up. If only Dogfish Head would have specially brewed a 200-minute IPA for the 200th podcast episode. That might be available for limited quantities under, you know, special ask from us. If you get get a bottle of 120 and then you get two-thirds of a bottle or three-quarters, my math is off. Yeah, it'd be three quarters, right? No, two thirds, 40, 40, 80. Yeah, two thirds of another bottle. That could make your 200 minute right there. Ooh. So how about you just drink a bunch of 120s? Right? That's what I'm saying. You a said. bottle and two and two thirds. Well, if you age it now, is it kind of like making it like dog gear? So the 120 converts into eventually a 200. I think so. At some point. It's Might be three and a half, four years. I don't know. It's got to be there. It's got to be pretty close at least. 120 plus like five years adds another, 
It's like compound interest. Another 80. So it's kind of like that's a, that's a 200. It's compound interest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I too am going back to something I've had several times before in the past. But if you were following us on Instagram on the last week, ski bump, uh, Instagram.com slash ski bump podcast. I was out with our friend Rich from All About Apre in the Western New York area. Shout out to Rich. Shout out to Rich, who you'll hear more from later on. He and I drank probably a third of the beer in Western New York last weekend. Or so you think. I'm thinking that's a pretty target-rich environment for beer. We drank a lot of beer, though. (laughs) Let me tell you, we drank a lot of goddamn beer. And we even gave some leftovers to the nice gentleman who was working at Budget Rent-A-Car because we had extra bottles and we're like, dude, you want to hang? You want some of these beers? He's like, yeah. We're like, yeah, I'll take them. They're all in the back seat. They're all yours. And now Brian knows why when I went to college, I was like, what do you mean you didn't drink in college? Yeah. Because I went to uh, school right up there in in Buffalo. They party up there in Buffalo. That's all you do. That's all there is to do. So I'm, I got to be honest, I'm beard out. (laughs) Saturday night, I was just, we were out. I'm like, I'm beard out. I got to move to something else. You You live a cried out in pain. Dude, I like I would have needed a couple extra livers to like, you know, tag team in. Like, you're going in. <laughs> gonna go up to Western works. New York and need gonna need to pack another liver, put mm-hmm. it on ice. Most people can party up there. So we went, we had some had a great time, had a lot of beer. So I've moved on to something else now. So I went to a old favorite, a little under the weather, you know, traveling and work and life has been kind of rough, a lot of stuff going on. Need something a little harder, a little smoother, a little something to kill any potential coronavirus germs that could be in my body. Corona? Co- not Corona. <laughs> Went with the Balvaney Doublewood Scotch. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, matured. Now, if that's proven to kill Corona virus, you know how much that would sell right now? You could sell it all as much as you got. Like, I'm not saying it's killed the coronavirus. I'm just saying it's not doing the coronavirus any favors. Let's just put there, it that uh, way. There you go. Coronavirus, yes. you may have met your match, but we don't know. We don't want to test it out. Causation does not, in cannot lead to correlation. Isn't that the term? I will say though, that if this, if I drink this Balvenie Doublewood and the next 14 days, I do not develop the coronavirus. Can we say that the Balvenie double would kill that's the what, coronavirus. That's what they used to do to cigarette studies back in the day. Why not? Right? Yeah. Proven not to. We did a double blind study. Uh, <laughs> double blind placebo study. Exactly. And, you know, it's proven. Our study proved no coronavirus in Brian. So you I should think- have seen some of the gross people I was on the train with at a Penn station yesterday. So if oh. I can say that I don't have it in two weeks, I'm going to give all the credit to this Balvaney Doublewood. Dude, I do not miss, like, I'm a little germaphobic and like the idea of like commuting on a train or a bus right now fucking gives me no willies. It should. Like, I just look around and I'm like, that motherfucker looks sick. That person sniffled. Like, it's just, it's a little weird. I I get a little crazy sometimes, but. You should. People are gross. I don't like getting sick. It's not so much I'm a germaphobe. I just don't want to get sick. But that's why whiskey was developed originally. It was medicinal. It was meant to kill germs, disinfect. Yeah. That's why I'm drinking it. 
The beer is just not strong enough. I have to go to the scotch. I have to disinfect my body. I have to make sure all my organs have been scrubbed clean. Well, think about it. With that alcohol content, right, you can wash down your, you know, your silverware and your countertops and make sure it's sanitized. And then you sanitize your body as well. Like You have to do it. From the inside. Pretty much. So Balvenie Doublewood matured in two distinct casks. We talked about it before. First cask. That is a uh, whiskey oak mellows the maturing spirit. And then the second one, boom, European oak sherry cask increases complexity, sherry. bringing fruity honey depths to the resulting single malt. There it is. The Balvenie wow. Doublewood. So that looks a, like a nice bottle that you would sit, like if you were in the Old West and you had a bottle of that, you'd be like sitting down with spurs on, ready to shoot somebody, right? Nah, that's more of like a like a bourbon. You're gonna have your spurs on. This is like you like a nice like one of those tall leather chairs next to a fireplace, oh, and you're wearing a, a golf robe. country club, right? Sitting there, mm, yes. Did you? Oh, yeah. uh, you're in yeah. your robe. You're like checking your stock ticker. You know the old fashioned with the paper coming Did out. Did you of the trade thing? Bitcoin today? Because it's been going wonderfully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what this scotch is for. I think it's important we tell like our, our viewers, what we're thinking of like the mood, right? So that would be for you, that'd be sitting in a big, nice, comfortable leather chair with a fireplace in the background. Snifter. I'm probably wearing, I'm probably Dad wearing a robe. Would there be an ascot? Nah, that's, it's going to be too hot. That's, I have the fireplace on already. I'm, I tend to run hot already. So now you more being a sweater turtle, no, definitely not a turtleneck, just a robe. Just a robe. Definitely no underwear. Robe with nothing else. Yeah, just a robe. A robe and scotch. I would love it to be the California scotch. cowboy robe. Shout out to California cowboy. If you want to send us a robe, yeah. we'd be honored to wear it and be brand ambassadors of your fine robe. That would be awesome if we could have some dope. Dude, I love that robe. I really want to yeah. get my hands on it. Yeah, that would be a, sitting in a leather chair robe nothing else drinking this scotch fireplace behind me so now where is this setting is it in country club your own oh, it's house like tell your ride tell you ride tell you ride or jackson you're just like sitting there in your big baller house with a giant window just overlooking the mountain you see the snow cats kind of cruising around up there smoke puffing out of your chimney it's a beautiful thing so it's tell you ride bottom of the mountain or at your own private bowler chalet uh, Baller Chalet. All right. All right. I don't know if it was like a, a you know, a red velvet uh, roped off area of the bar where only you can get into nah. sitting in your robe going like, yeah, I just wanted to get out. No, I'm yeah. quarantined, killing my coronavirus, drinking my Belvaney. Ah, oh, that's, that's a hell of a quarantine. I'm actually doing everyone else a favor. Hey, you know, the only thing I saw about like being on a cruise ship in quarantine is if you think you might get quarantined on a trip, book the biggest ballerous room you can because spending like extra time there wouldn't be so bad, right? What about people who are like have a job and are on this cruise and you're quarantined? Like, do they, what are you going to do? Hire you? Like, uh, do they kind of keep paying you? Like, what happens? You probably go on uh, short term for the week and then long term disability like almost automatically. And then you get a doctor's note because you're not fucking going in. It's actually a federal, it's a federal law. Like you're, you're under federal quarantine. So like if you leave your house 
you can be charged with a federal crime or something. I think that. Hmm. So I can't come to work because of federal dude, my, the company I'm working for now has a rule. If you've been to China within the last 14 days, you have to work remote from home for the next 14 days before you come into another office. That's awesome. Isn't that great? I, I, I want to book a trip to China just to <laughs> say, like, I've, I got to work from home the rest of the month. Yes, I was just in China. <laughs> I was in China, and uh, China. I want to work <laughs> working from home. I want to work from home or the ski house of Vermont. I'm playing golf. I mean, working from home, dude. I will be fucking the skiing for that 14 days, dude. Every single day. I'm feeling pretty sick. Mm-hmm. I need to get out on the mountain. Yep. All right, so we got a couple stories here in the old Dapper today. We do. Mario, you found this first one here about El Chapo's daughter. I don't know why I'm fascinated with El Chapo. I think it's because of the fact that he got out of so many, like, he's like a Peter Griffin, like, fighting crime hero. Like, got me out of another one, you know, faithful tunnel. He's the tunnel guy. He's like a um, cartoon character. He is like a car, like a Ah, it's awesome. He's like a Mexican Peter Griffin. I love it. <laughs> so uh, El Chapo, if anybody doesn't know who El Chapo is, you need to freaking look him up on Wikipedia or see one of the many things on Netflix documentary about him. But um, there is a beer that's coming out it's called El Chapo 701 brand, which is launching and launching a clothing line, which gets its name... Uh, from when Forbes named him the 701st richest person in the world in uh, 2009. So they estimated at that time his net worth was $1 billion. And that was at the um, bottom of the financial crisis. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, all El from, Chapo's got a very diversified 401k. All from drugs. I don't think he diversified too much. That's the problem. So I think uh, murder and drugs were kind of his specialty. Yeah, but that's just every politician in the U S so true. I mean, the Clintons, they got a long laundry list, you know, allegedly, um, that was Mario saying that not Brian. Hey, allegedly. I, I mean, like being alive. Like Trump is setting his own stuff up. Like you had a lot of people in the past that had a lot of shady shit going on. Like, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, this is an artisanal beer. And I, I believe, uh, they said in this that I think it was like his daughter is starting this. Yeah. How come um, no one makes anything just normal and shitty anymore? Everything has to be artisanal and bespoke. It's like, hey, man, this is just cheap and for the masses. <laughs> well, you know what it is. It is cheap and just for the more. It's pretty shitty, probably. But you have to talk about it. It's all marketing. Like, So you're allowed to take that liberty and say, oh, this is fantastic. This is the finest, best, like when we went to that... Um, Bloody Mary tasting. Bloody Mary tasting. This is the finest and most exquisite Bloody Mary I've ever made. And then you have one after the other. Like, these still suck, dude. Like, I can't. But um, anyway, so uh, Adriana Adriana Ituarte is a salesperson for the brand. And she says it's an artisanal beer with 4% alcohol. Right away, it could go to Utah. Um, (laughs) But not anymore. They just changed the law. Uh, if the prototype is a lager, it's made up of malt, rice, and honey. And it's so good. And I, I can imagine with the little Spanish action, that sounds so amazing, like exotic. Um, and a 355 milliliter bottle, which I have no idea what that is. Is that close to a pint? Um, 
they're saying they're going to price like a 16 it. Ounce, like a regular or 12 ounce, like a beer bottle, right? I guess. Uh, they're saying they're going to price it at 70, 70 point 10 pesos, which sounds like a lot of money, but that's 375 American. At least when they, when they did this article, that's what the conversion was. Um, so yeah, it's named after El Chapo who escaped, um, maximum two maximum security prisons before his final capture um and ship narcotics around the world so it's a uh it's kind of like uh what's what's that show um breaking narcos. bad it's like, a, it's like a narcos success story right so the article says drink like a kingpin is that really going to be their slogan because that would be awesome i think that's what they they're uh it doesn't say that's their slogan that's what they did the article they did a nice I think the article did them justice, did them, you know, help them out with their marketing. So. Wow. I don't know. That is fantastic. Proof positive that even if you're, uh, even if you're doing something bad, like you can do so, you know, make some money. Kind of like Heisenberg. If you've come out with a Heisenberg, like rock candy, people are like, Oh, I'm, I gotta buy that. Yeah. Right. You should have had Heisenberg gum. Like what's that new Wrigley flavor? Heisenberg. That's what it yeah. is. It tastes like meth and, and, and dreams. That's what it is. Mm. <laughs> meth and dreams. Delicious. And little crocodile tears from Jesse. All right. And we got one more quick story here while we are in the app right today. And it is that the largest private whiskey collection in the world is now up for auction. The most luxurious private whiskey collection in the world. So I'm drinking a little scotch here, a little scotch whiskey. So Ooh. this is a little thematic. Look at that. A gentleman out in Denver, Richard Gooding, a Denver businessman who prior to his death in 2014, spent more than 20 years assembling more than 3,900 bottles of fine whiskey from around the world. You know, the sad part of that though, for me is he spent like a lifetime assembling this awesome collection. Couldn't goddamn drink it. Couldn't drink it. Probably enjoyed it, which is great. Probably. I don't know if he shared it or not. I don't know him personally, but at the end of the days, like he passes and you know what the next person comes by and says, let's wrap this shit up and sell it. Yep. That's what life is though. You know, you're here then you're gone. You know, things that were your treasure or someone else's trash or something else to be sold. He left it to uh, somebody and they were like, you know what? I don't even fucking like whiskey. So I'm either going to drink it with Coke or sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Or like our, our friend Bob's mom, which tried the 30 year McCall and just poured it down the sink. I don't like this. I don't like this. It doesn't taste good. Wait, no, 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 don't pour it out. Yep. Yep. So they're saying that this collection could net a record $10 million for the whole thing when it's all said and done. Dude, those that picture with the bottles of the McAllen's, holy shit. Like these are some old McAllen's. There's a 60, a 62, and then a couple that don't even have years on them. But like the 60 and the 62, like the beautiful, all of them beautiful bottles, like... I've seen shows where they're like, yeah, they're hand-blown crystal, you know, hand-blown crystal for for these bottles of just this crazy, awesome stuff. It's like, it's a, the bottle alone is worth a lot. Yeah, right. It's like the, it was the Louis Thirteenth cognac. Yeah. Like Waterford crystal bottle. Yeah. 
one of the ones that's for auction right now is McAllen 1926 Valerio Adami 60-year-old scotch. And as of a couple of days ago, it had 32 bids. And the price, I'm actually on the site right now. If you want to go to whiskeyauctioneer.com, you can actually go on there and bid until Monday the 17th. The current bid is 800,000 pounds, well over a million dollars. I did not want to ruin it for you, Brian, but what do you think we're going to have on our 200th episode? Spoiler alert, <laughs> Spoiler bitches. alert. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a ghetto bitch, you ain't going to be uh, invited, but you know, just saying. Oh my God. Over a million dollars for this scotch. That's pretty sweet. So does that like solve all your world, all the world problems for you? Like you drink that, like magically cures you of any disease, like just that now, definitely kills the coronavirus. Dude, if you drink that and you get coronavirus that next day, <laughs> it causes I it. I want my money back. Yeah, yeah, it causes it. It's got coronavirus in it. Oh my god. Now I just I want to know the person who can spend over a million dollars on a bottle of scotch. God damn. Like what do you think your house is worth? out there? Artberg 1974 double barrel. God damn. That, that was a really worth? smoky one, the Artberg, remember? Oh yeah. Well, that one's a relative steal at 13,000 pounds. And it's actually two bottles. Damn. Well, it says 275 centiliter. Isn't that tiny? Yeah, that's like a little sam- sampler. You know what? Fuck that. You ball like that, you just throw in like 12 million for the whole shit bangy bang, but like, I'm gonna take it off your hands. Yeah. It'll if be Jeff way wants I just to get involved and bid for him, we, we, we can try to figure that out for him. Jeff, Jeff Bezos wants to fill his new hot tub with whiskey. He's gonna buy all this up and just pour it in there. I think he should host our 200th party mm. with his whole collection. That wouldn't be bad. Now, if he's a baller and he wants to, you know, help a brother out, and maybe like get into something else. Like this could be a nice foray into the ski venture for him. Um, I think it's a good idea. It's really more venture capital than anything else. Think about it. Angel, angel investor. He's an angel investor. If Jeff Bezos bought this $10 million worth of whiskey, that's like us. That's like the average person buying a $5 drink. That's the equivalent. Exactly. What it would would cost him versus his net worth. That's like one giant, Movie soda, right? Yeah, for him. But the problem is, like, he knows if he got this for us and we hung out with him for a night after drinking all this, we'd be rubbing his little bald head, making wishes. Mm. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't end well. But it'd be funny. That's kind of what we do. <laughs> what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. If you're thinking St. Patrick's Day is coming up, it might coincide with our. 200th just saying you want to throw a little party at your new gig yeah you need digs that might work yeah we're here david, to help david geffen had, had some shit buried in the, that place and maybe we will be able to find it for you hmm. same yeah all right so that wraps up at pray today and now we are going to go under the ropes and unfortunately, we have to start off with a sad story here. And Oh, you said under the ropes? We're going to ski news. We're going to go into the ski news. And unfortunately... We're going on the ropes in the ski news, though. That's good. Yes. Uh, we're going to start off, unfortunately, with a, a sad story. And 
you know, we didn't have a podcast last week because of travel. So we're finally getting to this now. And Michaela Schifrin's father, Jeff Schifrin, dies unexpectedly at 65 years old. So this broke, you know, a week and a half ago now that he had suffered a, a head injury at home and that Michaela mm. and her mother, you know, had to fly back from Europe to, you know, to be by his side when he passed. And it's one of those things that, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast, you know, we had just talked about how Michaela won the downhill and the giant slalom and how she's just, you know, the most dominant skier right now in the whole world. And you think, you know, she's 24, she's got all these, you know, all these wins on the world cup circuit. She's challenging to be the best of all time commercials, success, you know, tremendous followings on social media. And then all of a sudden your world just gets rocked. You know, something unexpected like that comes and it's just, it's so sad. It's so horrible. Um, you know, you just want to give your, your thoughts and your blessings to her family, to Michaela, to her mom, to everyone, her brother. And you just don't know what to say or do. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you're at the top of the world and all of a sudden someone, you know, yanks the the box out from what you're standing on. So yeah. It's just something to take a step back and, and count your blessings every day. I mean, it's nice to see that, like, it was a well-written article and then New York Times did a really fantastic job of, like, framing the, the relationship they had and, and just, you know the interaction, you know, within her life. But, uh, you know, and even like alluded to it in the article that like at the end of the day, she was, um, his little daughter, you know, and, uh, it's, it's very touching and very sad. And, uh, you know, 65, that's, that's pretty young. Um, uh, especially nowadays. Cause you know, he kept himself in great shape and he was always traveling with her and taking photos and, you yeah. know, it was a big skier growing up and, you know, it's not like he, kind of let himself go it's just you know it's i don't know sad it's i don't know if they've actually now. yeah it's very sad and i don't know if they've actually gotten into the details of what exactly happened it just says it was a head injury yeah you never know i mean you know little things happen and they lead into bigger things and then all of a sudden that's that's that i mean but i hope she's doing well as well as can be expected um you know, uh, I'm glad to see her. Uh, I saw the uh, Range Rover uh, ad just uh, before the podcast again. I was like, I like to see you know her doing a little more advertising. They did the Range Rover and they did the Barilla uh, commercial like in the same like hour. I was like, ah, she's getting a little play here, but um, you know, hopefully she's doing well. And you know, she's she should be a household name in the U.S. And uh, I think everybody everybody should should give well wishes to her as well yeah for sure so yeah it's super unfortunate um but yeah we wish her the best and she's a you know she's tough she's a champion i know she'll come back strong so you yeah. look forward to, to normalcy returning to your life all right so moving on to some other ski news um after that, that's hard, right? But uh, we have uh, stuff going on. There's a good amount of snow falling out west, right? Uh, Utah, Utah and Colorado are getting pounded. Pounded, right? So um, 
This was reported a few days ago, about two days ago, and they're saying after a two-day shut shutdown of Alta and Snowbird, um, traffic car- causes the canyon to close again. So what happened was Avalanche just shut down the resorts for 52 hours. Um, so it's a dream to have great, beautiful powder uh, until it gets dangerous, at, you know, at dangerous levels. So... Um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, they actually said some of the resorts and staff were under interlodge restrictions where travel outside of buildings is prohibited for 52 hours. 52 so, hours they were locked in there, yeah. Yeah. So from Thursday to Saturday, about 20 inches of snow blanketed, blanketed um, upper LLC. Alta starting, started spinning the lifts. For Lodge guests at 9.30 on Saturday, February 8th, and Snowbird wasn't far behind. Um, but they said both resorts estimate they had less than about 1,000 guests each. Wow. So, great powder, uh, dangerous conditions, and but a great powder day for the people that were there. So... It's good. They got to take precautions. I mean, it's a lot of snow. You can't mess with snow. You can't mess with Mother Nature. So, yeah, they're saying that they um, the lots were full by eleven thirty a.m. at both Alta and Snowbird, and that by one thirty they had closed uphill traffic in the canyon due to congestion. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, so they got hit there, and then of course, you know, everyone saw the photos out at Vale of all the huge lines that they had there last weekend. That was a shit show. Yeah. I mean, again, they got hit with so much snow and, you know, you got all these, the mountain ops people trying to get the place up and running and safe and the lifts operating correctly and people just want to get out there. So, you know, it leads to those kind of situations. The Epic Pass doesn't help either, but... You know, it's almost like a perfect storm of of chaos to lead to something like that. Yeah. Well, Pat has the people digging their car out, and it's like it's funny because it's not on like the big part of it, like it's on the drift side almost, and it's like at like this one girl's shoulder where she's digging out. <laughs> That's a lot of damn snow. Yeah, they're saying yeah. that uh, at one part that because due to the slides there the snowbird entry was buried under nine feet of snow. Damn. Yeah. Well, and that's a danger, right? So it's not about the snowfall necessarily at one time. It's that whole sheeting of it. Right. So like you get slide sheets, you got like, there's a whole science to it, which I don't know because I don't like to read or I just kind of follow what people tell me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it got really dangerous. So they actually have a rundown and the, uh, link is in the uh, show notes and, um, they have a rundown of the days of when it snowed and how much it snowed and the type of snow. So it's kind of like they could actually tell probably while the snow was falling that it was going to be dangerous. You know, the, these people that do the, um, you know, the triage of the mountain and the avalanche conditions, they're very good at what they do. And, uh, it's pretty amazing like how good they are. So it's funny. They probably knew like kind of while the snow is falling, what the conditions were going to potentially be like already. So. Yeah. It's funny too. You, you read the article and you hear people like, Oh, you know, like I heard it was chaos over there. So I just went to, you know, people who live in Salt Lake city go, yeah, I just went to park city instead <laughs> because 
when you live in Salt Lake City, it's just that easy. Yeah, go to the other side. Yeah, pretty much. All right, next up. Everyone's dreamed of owning a ski resort. I know I have. Every day. Every Pretty much every day. Now it looks like there's one for sale just outside of Jackson in Wyoming. White Pine Ski Area is putting a for sale sign on their little ski hill. And Damn. this area opened in 1939 as Surveyor Park Ski Area before changing to White Pine in the 1960s. The lifts are spinning, but health issues of the couple that own it has led to them to wanting to sell the resort. Now, they unfortunately had a big fire at the lodge this past summer that burned it to the ground. But they had you know, the folks from uh, Doppelmeyer come there to check on the lift, so the lifts are good to go. They're still open right now. They just don't have any sort of, you know, main lodging services there. They have a temporary facility and they're open right now, but this place is available. They have a 44 inch base right now. Damn. 105 inches year to date. It's kind of cold there. So they're, if you look on the map, they're a little bit south, southeast of Jackson. So if you could own a baller ski house, well, you don't really have to do a lot. You just kind of show up, pay the bills, whatever. Or an entire mountain where you got to deal with the marketing and all the other stuff. What would you have? Probably the baller ski house because I'm lazy. Oh, every time I'm choosing the ski area. Yeah. I want to be like, hey, how's everybody doing today? Riding on the place, you know? Like, I don't know. I want to, I want to have, let everybody have that experience. I think, I think that's what, and then of course I want to have a nice place on, on the mountain, but I can definitely dig it. And I think if I could, if I had the resources and I could have my vision manifest and come to life on the resort, then maybe I would. Yeah. I think right now I just, I gotta tell you, man, just sitting in your chalet. No, dude, I just, all I can think about right now is taking like, just a whole winter off of not working and just skiing and hanging out. So I think if I had that little window to just do that for a winter and yeah. then get back into it, then I'd be all about owning the place. I think I have to get a doctorate and teach at a university to be able to get a sabbatical for like a year and just ski my ass off. Sabbatical. Paid sabbatical, of course. Yeah. Paid sabbatical would be nice. I know. Like my last company, those assholes that fired me after after they shit canned the company, they used to have sabbatical after 10 years. Wow. And there were still these old fuckers that never took their sabbatical. I'm like, why don't you take your sabbatical? You've been with the company 25 years. Like you you were eligible after like 10 years or 15 years, whatever whatever the hell it was. They're like, oh, no, you know, I just wanted to work and there wasn't time. I love my job. It seems so important. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you wouldn't take a year off. You got paid. a year. Wait, you worked there for 10 years. You got a year off paid. I think it was like 20 years, but still, 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 you wouldn't take one year out of 20 paid to go do whatever you want. They were like, people were fighting. Cause once the company got sold, they were like, well, they're going to cash in your sabbatical. So if you don't take it, you're going to get a little cash payment of like a month of pay and no sabbatical. I'm like, why wouldn't you have taken it already? You stupid idiots. People, 
I'm afraid of losing my job. They can't fire you. So be good at your job and then go on your sabbatical and then come back and then be good at your job again. Like people value their jobs way too much. They really think that they're so smart and so special. If you, if people think that they're so needed and they're not, they could replace you tomorrow. People think they're, yeah, they're so valuable and so necessary. If you quit or you die, the company will not stop. I don't care who you are. I assure you, they will keep going on. I was talking to a guy this week and we were talking about like he lives in Toronto and Canadian, I think Canadians have a different outlook on life and I'm talking to him and I felt so good talking to him because he actually said uh, they're going through, he's in Toronto. So Ontario right now is going through a teacher strike. So his kids are home every day. So he's like, yeah, I have to work from home. And I'm like, why don't you work from home a little bit more? He's like, no, I like coming in the office and whatever. I'm like, well, that's cool. Uh, and then I'm talking to him and he's like, you know, I don't work to work really hard every day. Like I, he's very good at his job and he's like, you know, I take pride in my job, but at the end of the day, what, when I die, what's my legacy going to be? He's like, it's all my kids and the fun I had and all the other stuff. He's like, it's everything outside of work. And I'm like, dude, I feel so much better working with you because like, I respect that. That's a good attitude to have. And I think everybody should have that a million, do your job hard, but it's all about percent. what you do outside of that. You know? Yes. Yeah. I commute three goddamn hours a day to work and I, I am not doing this after next year. I am. You add up up those hours for like 10 years or however long you've been in your job. It's a lot of fucking time. It's a lot of fucking time. Things I could be doing. uh, You know, there's time that I could be used to do many other things. And, you know, with my little son, I am not going to be wasting my life spending all these extra hours at a cubicle making some other asshole rich and look good. I am going to be spending time with him, teaching him, going, doing stuff, skiing with him, taking him hunting. I am not going to just be a cubicle wrangler for much longer. It's idiotic. I mean, I thought about like, even if you're the top dog making a ton of money with the company, right? Making a lot of money. Cancer doesn't give a fuck how much money you make. But you're still working a shitload of hours. Like those guys, like, so, so I work with a lot of executives and the executives at the top, they work some fucking crazy hours. And I'm like, it's great, but they've been doing it their entire life. And at what point do they get burnout? Do they get like, so they're getting all this money, but like, is it worth all the time that you're losing on life? You know what I mean? Like a million percent. No. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have money. You're going to have a ton of money at the end of it. Yes. For your kids to inherit. Right. So they can sit there like dipshits, play on their phone and not give a fuck about it. Anybody else. And become Dan Bilzerian. Yeah. And still live on your fucking dime. Like really, that's what you want to. So you're going to work your ass off, not enjoy it. And as the sunset's going down in your life, your kids are like, great. I could fucking, you know, your kids are going to be like, great. I could, I could live off of everything that I inherited. Now I can go bum it at Jackson hole. Ah, it's, uh, hey, if they did that and they were responsible, I'd be like, fuck yeah, that, that's worth working for. Yeah. But. No, why don't you want to go give, they'll get half of that and you guys can do it together. That seems to make I, way more sense. I hear people talking about their kids sometimes and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I don't know. They won't get a job and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you make it too easy. And then I'm like, at the end of the day, the, the kids are smart because they're like, once you pass they're going to get all the shit that you had these crazy, like expensive houses that you, you know, paid into and paid your bills like normally every, every month, like as a good person and you're going to leave it to them. And they're like, great. I don't have to, I don't have to do for myself. Like you did it for me. Yep. 
I don't know. Yeah, creating a bunch of uh, leeches, really. When the zombie apocalypse happens, those are the first motherfuckers to go. Just saying. <laughs> yep, they're not going to fight back. They're weak. They're soft. Yeah. Speaking of soft, you can Spe- take the next one. Speaking of soft. Huh. This is a pretty funny story. So British skier 55 is beaten unconscious with a ski pole <laughs> by snowboarder on Austrian slope after UK tourist accused the other of nearly crashing into him. So this happened at Zillertal Arena in Rohrberg. That's where the real shit goes down there. This guy challenged a snowboarder following a near collision with his ski group. The boarder snatched a ski pole from someone in the group before launching the attack. They're asking to see if you know what happened and to email this dude. I love it. Yeah, it's like a uh, like a neighborhood watch kind of thing. Holy shit. I mean, I, I got to tell you, that, that's unconscious by a snowboarder using a ski pole. I got to tell you, respect to that ski pole, man. I, I, they're usually they're kind of... I mean, I fell. Remember last year, I was kind of trying to be a smart ass and stop it in front of you short. And I fell and I like bent my ski pole. Like, I, that, I'm not knocking anybody unconscious with this thing. Maybe it was uh, the people from US Ski Poles who we've interviewed on the show. Or perhaps Maybe the good was... folks at Whiskey Poles. Whiskey Poles filled with whiskey. Beat the, yeah. beat the crap out of you with the beat you unconscious with a whiskey ski pole. The victim was reportedly unhappy about the near collision and challenged the snowboarder, causing a, a row to break out that quickly became violent, according to local media. This is written from such a British point of view, because it's like, I challenged you. Like, yeah. there's no, damn you, I challenge you. And they grab a pole. It's like, like a duel. Like, no, dude, everything went real quick. It was like 30 seconds of just people whooping ass. That's probably what happened. Yeah, it appears that the attacker grabbed a ski pole from a member of the skiing group before allegedly hitting the British man over the head several times. <laughs> Jesus. Ah, the British man was not wearing a helmet. And this is, you know, bot- moral of the story, wear your freaking helmet. Who are, you, who are you trying to be out there? Yeah, the snowboarder rep- reportedly fled from the group after the British man collapsed. Jesus. <laughs> he beat him on the head a few times and then ran. Oof. The snowboarder uh, he fled. Police have now appealed for witnesses who might be able to help identify the snowboarder. Oof. I believe round one goes to the snowboarder. Yeah. Ding, ding. Your turn. See, that's another reason why you should wear a helmet. You get exactly. Some, some lunatic snowboarder attacks you. If I were the police, I'd be like, you know what? Why aren't you wearing your helmet? Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, but the guy hit me. Why? Why were you not wearing a helmet? Just saying. Pretty much. Yeah. You rocking the do? Like, what are you doing? You think he had a? Uh, well, here's the thing. If he had one of those um, ear warmers, you know, the little bands around, and that, was rocking that, I think I'd want it. I think I'd want to hit him on the head and no helmet. I think I want to hit him on the head with a seat pole too. Yeah, I just want to beat him senseless. It's super, super dark. Yeah. Oof. We we got to see the pictures and see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, the picture of that, that ski slope looks not too bad. Looks all right. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Crazy that that happened though. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of crazy, we're going to wrap up the ski news and roll into our main topic. Yes. So as we alluded to earlier, last week, I was out in the Western New York area with our pal Rich from All About Opre on a trip. Shout out to Rich. We went out on a trip that he had set up a few months ago with the good folks of Chautauqua County Tourism. They set up this great itinerary and, you know, got the invite out there and were able to spend a couple days checking out some of the resorts out in that Western New York area. I had no idea about Ellicottville and I know Mario, you mentioned holiday Valley and we've seen it and you know, it's always comes up and uh, you know, best East coast resorts, but we had just a very awesome, like eye opening, fun, unique experience. Dude, I'm glad you had fun there. That's where I learned how to ski. Yeah, that was really cool. I sent you a picture when we got there uh, like, at night. Holiday Valley. Been, Holiday Valley. It's been, let's say I haven't been back there since I was 20. Wow. Long fucking time. Let's put it that Long. way. Probably wouldn't even recognize the place. Yeah. Yeah. But so we'll talk more about Holiday Valley next week. Uh, as Rich and I actually recorded a couple of podcast episodes in the car. Uh, that will, you know, you guys can check out now. But the first one, we we started our journey in Climber, New York, for at the Peak and Peak Resort, and it's P E E K apostrophe N and P E A K. Now they don't have a ton of vertical. We'll be honest; it's only about four hundred feet. Hmm. But. It was such a fun place. And luckily we had a great powder day. We had a couple of great guides take us around and show us the whole place. Nice. And the the place itself is actually really cool and really unique. When they built it back in the 60s, they went with like a Robin Hood theme. Uh-huh. So they kept you, it, right? They, oh, they kept it and they've stuck to it. Still rocking it. So you look at some of the names of the uh, the trails. There's like Maid Marian's, Little John's Jaunt. What? <laughs> what? Friar Tuck's Trek, Crossbow, Robin Hood's Retreat. Like they really, they went all in. Like they Very went cool. all in. But, part of it now. But the folks there, I mean, they really did treat us like kings. They had a, they had you know beers in our room, snacks. Uh, they hooked us up with this amazing spread that the chef created on the day we were leaving. And unfortunately, we had to duck out a little earlier than we wanted to. Um, we were also about six beers in when we left, which was a problem because <laughs> we were going to two wineries after that to sober up. Whew. It was that kind of trip. Nice. Uh, but uh, we can't say enough about the good folks at uh, Jessica from Peak to Peak, her husband, Chris, our guide, Heather. They were they were fantastic people. They treated us like like royalty, like we were the kings of some medieval time. It was nice. It was really, really cool. So Rich and I did a little recap uh, in the car and we're going to play that for you now. So hope you enjoy it. We are in the Chautauqua region of uh, New York, right? So we'll give a little bit of a, a, a preface to what is going on right now. It's dumping. It's dumping snow right now. and It's all lake effect, though, for sure. Big fan of lake effect. Crazy thing. I thought this was supposed to be a video. 
Now we're doing audio. Oh. We're keeping an audio. So, you know, Rich, all about I pray. Brian, your pal here. We Schema podcast. Schema We flew into Buffalo yesterday and we drove down last night in torrential, awful, icy, treachery. nasty fucking straight treasury. Freezing rain nonsense to the Peak and Peak Lodge. Do you remember the town they're in? Climber. Climber, New York. C L Y. Don't ask me how I knew that. Dude, you pulled that out perfectly. I, out of my ass, like you wouldn't believe. And it's I mean, fact. it wasn't even in your ass. It was like... Yeah, it was in, on the tip. It was kind of right there in your front pocket. Probably in the taint. In the taint. Right there. Climber, New York. And we uh, drove down there last night, and we had... I, I mean, we I... We ended up at Pine Junction last night. Uh, great dinner, though, right? I really wish we had documented the entire journey because it was... Don't worry, I have it on my video. It was really a ridiculous drive from the interstate down these... We could only classify as snowmobile tracks to get to this... Oh, those weren't roads. No. No, there's no... Like, there's nothing that would classify what we drove down last night as a road. It was pretty much just like a snowmobile track. Street sheet of ice. To this like, magical, like, like in all seriousness, speed skaters would have been fucking happy. Yeah, it was. It was very similar to that ska- scene in Blades of Glory towards the end, where they were <laughs> they were skating uh, down that. I don't even know what it was, but uh, you know, you, it, listen. If you're a Blades of Glory fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about at the moment. Amazingly, nonetheless, like, nonetheless is, we, end is, up, we end up. Listen, the, the, the treachery of it all. We end up at this awesome place called Pine Junction last night have arguably the greatest buffalo wings we've ever had, right, Brian? For sure. And I will let everybody know that is not the first Blades of Glory reference. Reference. Yeah, reference. Which is religious, more religious. Reference like is more religious. The reverence, like if you were Leonardo DiCaprio, the revenant. It was like a revenant reverence. We have talked about Blades of Glory a few times today, which is a little bit weird and disturbing have and we? beautiful. Um, I have. Maybe you have. I haven't. I've mentioned it once, but yeah, yeah you're a little bit. Uh, you're not as uh, fancy as I am, but no, I, I had. I don't know the Oscars. I. It is Oscar weekend, but we did have. I did spoke to a few people this week about Blades of Glory, which is a little weird. And listen, I'm not judging myself or you guys, but yes, at the Blades, end of the day, the Wings were they the Wings. Good? Did you think that I? I personally, the ones. What were they called? Back Outlaw. Outlaw. I had yeah the outlaw wings. Uh, the outlaw wings. Honey mustard, ranch, uh, Cajun, ha- Cajun spices, and, and and hot sauce. And hot sauce off the chain, like ridiculously good. Honestly, like some of the best wings I've ever had in my entire life. I'm usually not a pretty not a big wing guy. Those were they some were. of the most delicious things I've ever tasted in my life. Yeah, and then I had a burger that had there's like a backwoods sauce on it, a little kick to it. But what was interesting about it was that they split the burger in half and they put on a sub roll with with long pickles, fried pickles. It was out, it was it was off the chain. It was it was good. It was you know, that place was exactly what we needed after the treachery that was that ride that we friggin' took. You know what? When a place is able to go, you know what? We're taking your burger, we're cutting this shit in half, we're putting on a hoagie, sub, grinder, 
choose your geographical metaphor for a sandwich of your choice. It's ballsy, and they freaking nailed it. And it was crazy. Yeah, they we, went balls deep. We were like the only people in this place. Except I mean, for the people next to us watching Forensic Files. Dude, on the TV at the bar. You know what's cool? Like being a Which regular. Is on Thursday nights. Dude, really. being a regular at a place is awesome because they definitely cater to your likes. These folks that were next to us, they had just come in from smoking Marlboro freaking unfiltered. Smoking, smoking Marlboro weed. You could smell them from six miles away. They were just disgusting cigarette smoker folk. They had their forensic files on. And this episode was about like a four-year-old kid being murdered. and Which is how I want to drink my craft beer. I will tell you, not exactly the most fun ambiance and footage that I want to have when I'm enjoying a great craft beer and that, amazing wings. That, that said, that said, that TV show, not the best ambiance. Pine Junction itself was, the ambiance was insane. It, do you want to talk about like super cool, like wood lodge, old old school, post and beam. Is this guy passing us? He is passing us. Yeah, the guy's in a Jetta. No, it's uh, actually a Subaru Impreza. Alright, he's going to crash. Regardless, uh, outdoor, fire pit, uh, I mean, the ambiance there was fantastic. It was just these jack wagons next to us sitting there watching forensic files. But when they left, you know, we put the we put the basketball game like normal human beings on, and uh, it was you know it was all downhill from there really. Right now we're looking for coffee though, dude. We are dying for coffee right now. We've had so much alcohol allegedly right now. In theory. In theory, dude. If you have not been if to you wanna see me dancing with somebody. Oh, sorry. What's her name? Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. She got to check her out. Fantastic. Du- Next big thing. Dua Lipa, if you are listening to our podcast right now, uh, rstoner42 at Gmail, is that what it is? Yeah. He has a hall pass for you because you are <laughs> Dua Lipa. I'm sure Dua Lipa is really listening to this podcast at the moment. I would not. I think she's a big skier, actually. Pretty sure you are underestimating our reach right now, which is very hurtful. Where Where are we going? We're on the way to Hogan's Hogan's Alley. Hogan's Heroes Alley. Are, so we're going. Are you getting us there? Um, That's your job. As, I'm as, sort as, of as, as riding shotgun. Um, especially right now we're passing. This place fucking looks awesome. This place looks amazing. Look at all those folks in there. The Green Dollar Tavern. That tell me that's not our kind of place. The Green Dollar Tavern. And right now it looks like I'm going to ludicrous speed. <laughs> I think we just went plaid. Holy Christ! This is like this is. Spaceballs right now. We the, are the amount of snow that is dumping as I'm going as I'm driving right now. Literally, I, I just hit the ludicrous speed button and it looks like it, but in actuality I'm going twenty miles an hour. It's total trash. And we were passed by a Subaru Impreza hatchback. Yeah, ridiculous. That's Look at this a, joint. This place looks Guppies. pretty awesome. This this place, oh my French God. big prime rib. Guppies good time food. Like if that doesn't say stop, please. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That said, we're still we're just inside an hour to our next destination, Ellicottville. Do we know where we're going? I mean, we have like a general. If Are you we getting the coffee or not? If you we, do, we need coffee, don't we? Yeah. Um. So right, should we take a break? We can take a break. Let's take a to. quick break. Quick figure break. out where the hell we are. I'm gonna pump this fucking shit, this thing into ludicrous speed. It's probably not gonna get us more than a mile and a half. 
and the uh, uh, chances are the stormtroopers are going to be tracking us anyway because that's what they do. We'll be right back. We are not the droids you're looking for. We are getting on to, what is this, Route 86 East? Who the hell knows? It's just covered in snow, quite frankly. I, I think I'm driving down the middle of, of the road of a main highway. I mean, I see a bunch of blinking lights ahead of us. It's a bus, it looks like, or a tractor trailer. Or God. Or God. It's been snowing all day long here in western New York. Yeah, which is awesome because they apparently, from what we've been told all day long, is that they've got, they haven't gotten any snow and uh, we showed up and we, you know, we brought the snow. We're, we're basically like Uller, really. That's pretty much what I'm gathering as well. So if there are any resorts that are in dire need of snow, you probably should in- invite us to your resort and we can help bring the snow there. So yeah. hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com and rstoner42 at gmail.com, all about operating. But that's what we do. That's what, you know, we bring, we bring happiness to people. And, uh, listen, the way I saw it today is I was pretty friggin' happy at Peak and Peak Resort. I don't know about you. I mean, I gotta tell you, you know, we had no idea, at least I had no idea what to expect on this trip. Because when, you know, you think about going on a ski trip, you're always thinking Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, or Idaho. Even Vermont, really. Even Vermont for like, but we're getting on a plane. Yeah, we're yeah. That's the thing. We got on a plane. We're like, it's like, all right. Well, where are we going here? So we, you know, and I, I, you know, I was under the impression that uh, this this region was the Midwest, but I was told otherwise. <laughs> we actually had a conversation about this this morning. So we are in pretty much extreme western New York, almost on the PA border, by Lake Not, Erie, literally on Lake Erie. We are on Lake Erie, and you know, we kind of talked about it we're like are we in the midwest you know i know we're in western new york but what what is this and you know the first person we talked to jess who is one of our new favorite people absolute favorite she left us beers in the fridge last night and some kind of friggin' uh trail mix that included chocolate covered marshmallows which is honestly the way to my heart and chocolate covered pretzels oh well, yeah forgot about that yeah, if there's two things in life that I really, really enjoy, it's chocolate-covered pretzels and beer. <laughs> she was a fantastic girl. She was. She was amazing. And her husband was a great tour guide today at Peak and Peak Resort, as well as Heather, who actually works at Peak and Peak, and took us around. But she took us around in a way that uh, I can really appreciate because it was very opera ski uh, related in the sense that we skied a little bit, hit a bar, skied a little bit more, hit a bar, skied a little bit more, and hit another bar. And for a place like Peak and Peak, like, I, I mean, it's not huge, quite honestly. But to have the amount of, the, the the magnitude of bars that they have for a place that's not as big as other resorts, I mean, talk about an opera ski fucking uh, heaven, really. Yeah, it's one of those places, I mean, you, you really, you're not going to go there for the skiing. Let's be honest. We just happened to luck out because it, it did dump and it's probably we probably got 6 to 10 inches overnight. And it was dumping all day while we were skiing. So we got really, really great skiing. Arguably the best skiing I've had this year uh, just because we lucked out on the weather. But the, uh, I mean, let's let's talk about the bars. I mean, we, we <laughs> like that's that's really what people want to hear about, right? True. Now the mountain itself, you know, 
it it's a it's a very the train park was good, dude. The train park was good. I, I told around the train park. I thought it was pretty fun. The mountain, it's it's not something you're ever gonna travel to because of the skiing. It's it's four hundred feet of vertical. Let's you know. There you go. We'll that those that. are the numbers. Those that's, hey, that's legitimately legitimately it. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed myself skiing today, and quite honestly, I didn't want to stop. If I didn't have an agenda today, I would have skied the entire day. Unfortunately, we had an agenda that we had to keep. Well, keep two, which we sucked at. And by agenda, you mean we had a lot of drinking to do. Yeah, we had much. a lot of stops. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's it's one of those places, and it's funny because I had no idea what to expect coming into this place, and we rolled in pretty late last night around you know eleven, 11. o'clock, and it's it's funny because the whole thing is like a medieval Robin Hood <laughs> yeah. themed resort. Yeah, legitimately, like they they it's medieval themed, and they went all in, all in, <laughs> face first, full send, like no joke. Yeah, the whole place they have, you know, the whole Even ambient. the trails are named after Meevils. There's like stuff. a Maid Marion trail yeah. and, you know, um, Excalibur. And, you know, it's, no, I don't it's, even know. Everything is very thematic of like a, the Robin Hood era. The the decor of the places. It's like that old-fashioned, you know, European Tudor theme. And they went all in. And it's, it's cool what they did. Again, you're not going to come here just for the skiing, but when you do, if you do come here, and we do recommend you do, the people, the ambiance, the vibe—it is a really, really fun place. It definitely has an old school feel to it. Like, um, let's put that out there. Like, it, a, a total old school, like I don't know, maybe '80s feel to it. Like, you walk in and, and it's like a hot tub time machine. It is a hot tub time machine kind of thing. What? Which is like you 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 kind of walk into the bar and like it feels a little you know a little old you know but but I love it like I love, that's what I'm digging like I love that freaking old school vibe I love the fact that it's kind of divey and but it like but the beers are good and you can kind of overlook the mountain and check it out I, like I I was digging it for sure like I didn't want to leave to be honest with you. The kind of pissed off that I'm driving in the snow right now <laughs> when I when I should be there drinking beer. The nice thing is, though, all the snow that is falling is going to be ours for the taking tomorrow morning when we get to Holiday Valley. It's true. It's true. But yeah, so listen, the first the first stop on the uh, this guy, I'm getting passed again, which is fine by me. Cause, this is okay. Uh, Pick I'm up not, truck. I'm not in any rush. But that said, the first stop we hit up at, uh, you know, we skied a little bit. We did the, you know, tooled around the mountain, and then we hit up the sports bar. At uh, right, the Sugar Shack. I'm sorry, the that Sugar was Shack. the Sugar Shack. Yep. The Sugar Shack, which had the sports bar in it, at at uh, Peak and Peak. Uh, awesome place, right? Like known for their pizzas, right? They're the 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 pizza is apparently the the dish of choice there. But the bar upstairs, fantastic. Just a cool little place to hang out. Again, you can kind of you kind of overlook the mountain, check it out. And what I really liked about it is if I had my kids with me, like there were a ton of a ton of games downstairs, ski ball and arcade games and everything. So I could be hanging out upstairs drinking beers while my kids could be running around, you know, ruthless downstairs, you know, throwing ski balls around the whole the whole freaking place. And that was something that our tour guide Heather was sure to point out too. She's like, Oh, this is where the old folks hang out. Because all the kids are got there either yeah, playing games or out there on the mountain which makes it kind of a win-win for both. 
then our next stop. Well, yeah, absolutely. So we yeah we checked that out. We had uh, we had the Erie Brewing the the beer that was brewed specifically for them called the Shred uh, Shred uh, Shred Red Ale, right, or something like that. Yeah, it was a Red Ale. Yep. Yeah, it was a Red Ale, and I thought it was fantastic. It was super well balanced. Uh, nice malty sweetness of it to to it at the front, and a little bit of a little bit of hop hoppiness at the end to kind of balance the whole thing out. So it's a great beer, great operate ski beer, super light, very crushable. So I was uh, I was pretty stoked to try that out. And then yeah, then we hit back. We we uh, you know by the time we hit it back out on the mountain, the the snow was dumping again. Yeah, it was coming down nicely. And now one thing about this mountain. Now what are we talking like four hundred feet of vertical about? Yeah, no doubt. Which, you know, let's be honest, that's not a lot. But what this whole community is all about, and it's a really cool layout, too. So they have, you know, the normal lodge at the bottom. They have the the chairlift. And at the top, when you get to all the lifts, there's actually a golf course and a bunch of condos at the top of this mountain. And and a golf course at the top apparently is very, is like PGA rated. They've had the uh, they've hosted actually the web.com event, a uh, web.com shit, a web.com event uh, at at the resort, which is a pretty big deal. So the and the 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 golf course is supposedly very very good, which obviously snow covered we couldn't see a damn thing, but. It's neither here nor there, but that, that being said, if they're hosting a web.com event, then you know it's uh, it's uh, the real deal. Yeah, it's super legit. So that, that's the top of the mountain, which was kind of interesting and fun. And, you know, they have all the condos, slope side, that whole thing going on. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're dealing with 400 feet of vertical, but when you have fresh snow, like, it's it's perfect. It's beautiful. It was a lot of fun. They were blowing a lot of snow, too, because – they're getting ready for the big President's Day weekend. And, you know, like every ski resort, that's one of their big, big three weekends that they have to, you know, cash in on. Everything, everyone we talked to at the mountain was just so happy to be getting snow right yeah. now. As it, well, I mean, as, as they should, really, quite frankly. I mean, it's been a crappy season thus far. But yeah, we headed back out, right? And we uh, we tooled around a couple of trails, and then we we headed over to the terrain park. And and their terrain park's pretty neat. Like it's uh, it's got some cool features on it. And and from what we were told, like a lot of the features aren't even out yet because they haven't had great snow uh, until today. And so, but we hit you know we hit a couple of the jumps and everything like that. And you know, I I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great little terrain park for me. Like as a forty two year old, you know, it was perfect. It was perfect for me. Cause it wasn't so big and I can, I could hit some jumps and actually land them and stuff like that. It was fun. And you know, the lodge that's right there by the terrain park that's where the retreat was, right? That's the, that was the retreat. The yeah. Retreat. Second opera ski stop on the tour. And that apparently is where all like the teens and 20 somethings hang out because again, it is right by the terrain park and they can, you know, hang out, chill in there. Or at least the parents of the teens. I don't think the teens are drinking beers there. They're not drinking beers there, but Maybe that's chocolates, hot chocolates, or having some sodas. That's what uh, Heather was telling us. That's where the teens hang out was at that particular lodge because it is right by the terrain park. So that's where they're going up, cruising, showing off for the girl that they're trying to woo or gentlemen they're trying to woo. That's that's the spot there. I just can't believe you just went with the word woo. I am pro woo. Clearly. Really. It, again, they, uh, the the retreat 
old school vibe for sure. What I dig though was the deck, and he, I don't know if you really ever made it out there, but but the the deck was kind of dope because it like overlooked the, the last couple of features on the park and you could hang out there, drink some beers, and and a cool little uh, you know cool little view to it. Inside, old school for sure, like. You know, 1980s old school kind of, you know, kind of vibe. Exactly what you expect. We did hit from the Shotsky. Us. We hit the Shotsky though. <coughs> there is video footage of that. I think. Yeah. You, did you post that or? I don't know you... if there's video footage, but there's a picture for sure that will be posted, no doubt. There's definitely some, yeah, a, a picture of that. Looks like we have a little bit of a, a tractor trailer accident on the other side over here. Not good times. Yeah, look at that. This weather is definitely dicey and a little gnarly, and these tires. Probably not the ideal ones yeah, for that. This car sucks. <laughs> but yeah, so then we, uh, what do we have there? Southern Tier. I had Southern Tier Old Man Winter at that one. I thought it was a great beer. Great. Another great. Oh shit, that car is, that 18 wheeler is off the side of the road. It is in the median, at God, least by God, a couple God, feet damn. solid. This is what you get, people, when you're in the Car Chronicles. You get a live footage of what exactly is going on as it's dumping as you're riding down Route 87. But nonetheless, I had Old Man Winter from Southern Tier, which is semi-local up here, right? Yeah, local-ish. Hey. And uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was another good good winter ale, really tasty, uh, super crushable. Uh, it's a good beer to come off the mountain and, and have a you know have have a few you know two three six of them. <laughs> two or three nine whatever. Yeah. yeah, that was it was a really tasty beer. We had that there. And then, you know, I did we like one or two more runs and then we had a beer tasting. We had a a beer tasting and an amazing spread. So this is food. food. And this was again this was Heather, who was our tour guide. Now her do you know her official title, what that was? Was she event coordinator? She was the event coordinator at, at uh, Peak and Peak, yeah. And since, you know, we are sort of high level media they oh, wanted yeah, to big. make they wanted to make sure they pulled out all the bells and whistles for our uh, the food the food spread was ridiculous uh loaded tots a charcuterie board that would have made anyone Mario Batali blush yeah yeah for sure well the, the, uh, the tots you mentioned uh, the, the loaded tots the now loaded tots were insane right so they were tots with what pulled pork yeah and cheese uh, jalapenos there were jalapenos on them sure Oh. And then there was a there was a artichoke dip with uh, like what seemed to be fried pita bread, which was fantastic. Uh, there were there were Bavarian pretzels, those were good. Those were so good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were good. And there was a whole beer tasting for us, so we got to sample a ton of Southern Tier beers, some Ellicottville Brewing beers, and a great Great Lakes Brewing. Right? There was eight beers for us, wasn't there? Is that was that the number? I think it was eight. I'm not a math guy, quite honestly. Yeah, but uh, if you're saying, uh, listen, if that's what you know, if you're counting, sure. Listen, I'm, I kind of stopped counting around twelve. I think there was eight beers we had so right. far, at that point, at that tasting. Sounds good. Yeah, the, I mean the Great Lakes. Um, what's the Great Lakes one? Now, the Great Lakes one. They had that amber lager that was yeah, there. I that was a really good one. Very tasty, yes. Yeah, um, I did love the the blackberry Kolsch. I like no, it was blueberry, but yeah, I loved oddly enough the Ellicottville blueberry Kolsch was a very refreshing and thirst quenching beer. I thought, I thought it was it, blackberry. It was. Um, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm 102% positive that it was... 102%? Yeah, that it was blueberry. All right. I took pictures. Yeah. I, I Listen, at the end of the day, I know it wasn't dingleberry kolsch. Pretty sure that's not going to be a big not, seller. Yeah. No, nobody wants that shit. <laughs> nobody. I, is this guy passing me? Is this a one-lane road? Oh, like, no, it's two lanes. Oh, he's oh, it's a two-laner. Oh yeah. Oh, he's got balls. It is a highway. I don't. Know. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going highway speeds for sure. Now, according to Western New York etymology, this is the the eighty-six. Yeah. So. Yeah, numbers, numbers uh, don't mean shit to me. But that 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 being said, I, I thought the you know the spread was incredible. The the beer taste, I really did. I really really did like the Erie Brewing uh, shred shred ale that they uh, that Erie Brewing company brewed specifically for Peak and Peak, and I, I just thought it was a great great beer, like a great ski beer. Yeah, I had one of those too, and yeah, it was a red ale. It was flavorful. It it's was well balanced, right? Well, something you have a couple of if you want to just hang out and just enjoy the day. Yeah, and then uh, but that was it. Like we were on a time crunch, and unfortunately that we we got crunched because we were way 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 behind because we had to get to Johnson Winery. That's kind of been our theme the last couple of days, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we are so far behind, but um, I don't think anybody really expects a lot out of us. Um, <laughs> And you know what? If they don't expect much from us, we don't disappoint. Yeah, exactly. When you when you set your expectations low, we uh, we really really excel. But yeah, we so we entered uh, Johnson Estate Winery, right? That's where we headed out. What a what a shit show of a drive that was! My goodness, worse than last Ooh. night. It's similar roads, actually, some of the same roads. The same roads, yeah. Same roads, and we would have honestly been better on our skis. Not gonna lie, than this crappy ass road that I'm driving right now. It was terrible. It was really bad, and it was pretty much like a snowmobile track that we were driving on. Yeah. That, that, that's honestly, you're being nice. Yeah. You're really being nice. But we did get there, and it is the oldest family-owned estate winery in all of New York. And I am not a... Uh, I don't always drink... I don't always drink wine at Opry Ski, but when I do, I drink wine. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and uh, Johnson's wine wines were as advertised. They were damn good, really, really good. I was really blown away. I mean, I was expecting kind of mediocre wine, and we had what maybe three or four different reds. Yeah, a bunch of different reds. Uh, we had a Pinot Noir, a Cap Franc, a Merlot. There was the the founders one. The was founders it? one, which I don't really even know what the hell that was. It was ninety percent. Or it was ten percent Pinot Noir, ninety percent. Nice percent fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Can't think of it right now. Some other kind of wine. There was definitely a. I feel like a Gewurztraminer in, involved at some point, right? Was that in the whites though? Yeah. No one discriminates, not really. Dude, I just. I was just really surprised by how tasty all the wines they made what were. I, what I really enjoyed were the ice wines at the end that they that we had and there were three different types of ice wines that produced just three different types of flavors that I thought were just really good what was fascinating there was one whoa, there was one that had uh, the bubbly was, one the sparkling yeah, yeah it was bubbly that was interesting it was unique the bubbles kind of cut the the sweetness a bit um, and what I, were they saying like there was a is it the nitrogen like they the mount they put in there made 
made like smaller bubbles? Yeah, I don't really know. Maybe We're talking to Jeff, who was the the head, you know, winemaker there, and he really is just like a mad scientist. Like, because the wines they made there were super unique and super delicious. Yeah, no, they were great. And and what was cool was we, the one of the ice ones we tried, we tried the two seven two thousand seventeen, and then and then tried the two thousand eighteen. It was like a totally different. A completely different wine. Like 2018 had a great spice character at the end, which I personally loved. As a matter of fact, I, I ended up coming up with a bottle with it, a bottle of it. So, uh, but but at the end of the day, the the ambiance of Johnson Johnson Winery was was fantastic. I thought, and I I really enjoyed their wines. And we were you know kind of pairing it with some different food that they made. And it was uh, it was super cool. I, I really loved it. Yeah, it was, you know, a very local family-run winery. And you could definitely see the passion, the care, the love that they were putting into this place. And they were very proud and excited to show off the wines that they made there. And I was really surprised just how good everything was. Yeah, no doubt. And I agree with you on that passion part. I mean, you could tell, you know, they third-generation... Uh, you know, family run family establishment. Run. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was incredible, really. And then uh, after that, we we headed over to Mazza Five and Twenty Spirits, which that was that was super unique, right? Like, where do you see a place that that produces wine, spirits, and beer, basically all under one roof? Yeah, they were doing a lot of different things all under one roof, and. You know, and being successful. Successful, yeah. And even besides that, which is kind of crazy, is they were saying that all of their their extra, all of their, um, you know, the, the waste products from their beer and from their distillery, they're using now to feed and cultivate an entire fish. I mean, I don't know if you call it farming, but like an entire like fish cultivation Ecosystem. Listen, I Did missed you that. Hear about that? I, I missed that part. I don't even. I was talking. I, I was to, probably too bu- too busy drinking Ryan Bourbon. Dude, I was talking to Bob, who was the uh, Bob Mazza, who was kind of you know the head the Mazza, the Mazza of the operation. He was saying, yeah, they uh, they ran into a dude who's like uh, they because they have a I guess Cornell has a a, a like a agriculture offshoot kind of in the same area. And uh, they they started talking to one of the folks from there, who was kind of been working on this process of taking the waste from brewing and distilling, and figuring out how can use that to cultivate and grow uh, a fish ecosystem. And they're they're taking all of their waste now and using that to feed this entire new ecosystem, which is completely beautiful mind-blowing circle of life um win-win situation for straight up up, i don't know where i was during this conversation that i entire missed this entire thing yeah i don't know but the beer was good their beers and they have a very wide range of beers too absolutely i picked up on that they're like like, like some places that we known for IPAs or known for their stouts yeah. or whatever, they had a wide range of stuff and all that was unique and tasty. Cream ale, they had a cream ale, 
they had the uh, big shout out to Monica for telling us to get the cream yeah. ale. Well, way to go, Monica. Uh, Monica is represents all the wineries in the entire Chicago. Miss, shut your mouth. We shouldn't do that. Shut apparently, your mouth when you're talking to me. I don't think we should do that. That's what uh, oh, Megan yeah. was saying. Don't take that exit because it's more back roady. So where should we go? Just stay on this road. Really? That's what. Uh, all right, what, regardless. So that said, the the cream ale was was solid. It was it was subtle, not not your prototypical cream ale. The grape beginnings I thought was really really fascinating to me because it was a like a Concord grape infused. It seemed like a pale ale, right? Yeah, and you you got if you didn't know it was like if you didn't know what it was called. So they obviously you know bring attention to the grape part. If you didn't know what it was called, you would be like, what is this flavor? It's super unique. And I mean, you might grab the grape and or know it's grape, but when you hear the name of it, you're like, oh my God, you're getting that right up front. But it's it's distinct, but not overbearing, the flavor of it. Yeah, no, it's very subtle, very subtle for sure. And then the the rye pale ale I thought was well, I thought was well done. I, I really, really love their red. Their red, I thought, was fantastic. Very tasty. Like an yeah. Irish red type. Yeah, it was just, I thought it was really fantastic. And their brown, I thought, was one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed their their fancy tiramisu stout. Oh, yeah. You liked that. You did like that. It was a little uh, a little desserty for me. It's definitely a little desserty. But, you know, once you've spent the whole day eating loaded tater tots and drinking a bunch of different... Uh, you know, kinds of IPAs, you appreciate something like that. Kind of smoothie out at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, listen, I hope you didn't have dessert too early because we're going out to dinner tonight. Dude, I could eat probably a 16-ounce ribeye right now. And we might. There's a good chance. We totally missed Hogan's Heroes Hut, which is unfortunate. I did but, need a coffee at this point. I really, I, I could have enjoyed one at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the GPS is saying to get off this exit. Maybe we just should. You think so? I mean, it is putting us onto a different highway type thing. Fuck. All right. In a quarter mile, take exit 16 toward Randolph Gawanda. See, uh, Randolph Gawanda. Randolph Gawanda. That's a dead, dead, I mean, it's a dead giveaway, really. But yeah, so uh, Mazda, I thought Mazda was really super interesting. I've never seen any place that, that really, oh, we had, take we tried the, then turn left onto West Main Street. We did. Uh, we did try the the bourbon and the rye. The rye is actually what they're known for. The bourbon I thought was so so. It was. It was very sp- spicy. It was, it was very spicy, which is uncharacteristic of a bourbon. The rye, on the other hand, I thought was was really you know well balanced. Had a great spice character turn to left it. Onto West Main Street. And but then they gave us their rye and port aged in port barrels. Yes, Asian port barrels. We are going through the stop sign. Nah, we're not really. We're good. The rogue got us. And uh, I thought that was I thought that was delicious. I thought it was the best of the three. And we also Continue got to, for three miles. We also got to try their uh, their merlot. I ain't drinking any fucking merlot, Jack. <laughs> uh, but I did, and I thought it was good. You know, it was a solid merlot. Very. Uh, you, oh yeah, the uh, 7-Eleven coffee is. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, we'll we'll be back in a second after we get our 7-Eleven coffee. Gonna re- talk to you about the Merlot and the. What the hell is the white? The Riesling? 
The Riesling, yeah. It's a Riesling. All right, groovy. Be back in a bit. Hope y'all enjoyed that. If you want more information and links to all the fun places we went to and we're talking about, check us out skibumpodcast.com or check out Rich's site at allaboutopre.com. Under the ropes. First up, this was a cool and I don't know. I was a little surprised about this number here, to be honest with you. There's an article in Forbes talking about the most popular and lucrative podcasts. Joe Rogan's podcast, he makes 10 or $30 million a year on his podcast. Dude, that's awesome. I don't quite know if that's just advertising. Like if there's like a cost, because I know they use like a cost per million or cost per thousand. Isn't that what it is? Like that's their, their kind of formula for what they... I don't think he's getting that charge. endorsements. Like think about it, like he is, he got in on the ground floor of UFC commentating, right? Yep. He's got to be making shitload on that alone, right? Like that was a great move for him in his career. Uh, plus he was a famous stand-up comic. I mean, you know. He's still I mean, making all that friggin' Fear Factor money because that's in syndication. Fear Factor he was doing, you know. He so like part of on it. Like, yeah. He's doing a lot of, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. But he cut his teeth in like, you know, starting with the with the stand-up and then he did the fear factor and then he got like UFC, I'm sure. Like he he was like, I don't know if this is gonna work, but it seems pretty cool. He's into it. And now he's like, it's a huge thing, and he's the like one of the faces of UFC, which is cool. Yeah, and the whole podcast thing, he's talked about it on the show that he got the idea from Opie and Anthony. Because Anthony nice. used to have this whole crazy green screen set up in his basement. Where nice. he would just like record these kind of crazy shows with his green screen and have like machine guns and stuff. And that's he's awesome. like, oh my, that's so cool. I got to try something like that. So and I guess it was 2009. Him and Red Band started it. I think it was like Christmas Eve. They just tried it out. And I know I started listening back in 2012. And haven't stopped since and you know part of the reason we did this podcast is because we're like hey other people do them like why can't we have our own oh yeah you were uh definitely all big on joe rogan and that's how i even like found out who he was i was like what i've seen him on fear factor but like what else does he do i was like that's i, I never liked fear factor i'm like ah it's just more a bunch of assholes trying to win some money but yeah. then i listening to the podcast and actually, it was 2012 Labor Day weekend going up to Mount Snow for the Brewers Festival. And I needed something to listen to for a couple hours. Nice. And it was, I just found his episode with Andrew Dice Clay. Started listening ah, to it, Dice. got hooked and uh, have not stopped since. But I remember Joe Rogan from his stand-up and I liked him back then. And then I remember seeing Fear Factor. And I was like, I liked him being the host. I just wasn't a fan of the show. Um, so then when you were, you were saying you're listening, I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. It's, you know, see what he's up to now. Yeah. And he has some really fantastic guests on really interesting, deep thinkers, some funny comedians, musicians. Yeah. People, I mean, his, I love his spectrum of guests that he has. And I think my favorite thing about the way he does his podcast too, is that he, he doesn't try to, you know, kind of like take control and make it about him yeah when he has like interesting people on and thoughtful people who want to tell a story he's really good at letting them do their part instead of kind of being like overbearing and making it about him which i love 
Well, like, so, you know, when you turned me on to him, I started like, you know, listening. I was like, you know, I just love the fact that he, and he really did start a lot of it. Like it was at the, like the start of people actually calling shit out. Like, cause you know, people would be like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to, you know, interview somebody and I got to be proper and here are the questions. And sometimes they'd like give them the questions before they actually interview him. And he'd be like, so what do you think about this? That's this is fucked up stuff. Don't you think like, and he'd give his point of view and then find out and like open up the person to talking about, and he still does it like to talking about all this other stuff that you don't think they're going to get interviewed on. And I think it's a good, um, kind of like a real interview, you know, like a real conversation. I think one of the the favorite ones that I had last year, and I, you know, I don't really agree with everything he's, he talks about was he had Bernie Sanders on for like an hour and a half. And, you know, depending on what, where, you know, get your news from, if you're a Fox news person or even an MSNBC person, you, all you ever get are sound clips, these little 10, 15 second little segments. And then you can, you can go, oh, well, this guy wants to take all my money. So when you actually hear him enunciate and have an actual conversation and a full thought, not a little soundbite, you actually go, oh, that makes way more sense than what the news is telling me this guy believes in. Well, I think that's part of the relevance of podcasts, right? So if you have an interview, you do, you do an interview, sometimes it's kind of manicured the interview, right? Depending on who you interview and how much power they have versus how, how you get them on your show. Um, and you want to be respectful. So then it's a very tame interview, right? If yeah, it's because you have, you have an, well, you have an agenda. You always have sponsors right. you have to cater to, or exactly. if you want to pump this person up, it's, it's where's your money coming from? Where's your income coming from? How do we make sure that doesn't get stopped? That's what yeah. a lot of things they worry about. And you can almost predict how the interview is going to go before you have it, right? And then there's the other way of, of doing it where, you know, there's the shock factor where people are like, oh, yeah, you know, walk out of the, sta- out of the studio. I didn't think you would ask me this bullshit, whatever. And that's like a lot of drama. But then there's mm-hmm. a certain like middle range where you get into podcasts of you've heard the stuff and the sound bites in the regular media. And then a podcast, a little bit more of an intimate, uh, intimate conversation where you're talking to somebody and they're, just open about about stuff like it's just it's just people talking, you know, and that's the beauty of podcasts is it's not like you're getting sponsors from the get go. You're building up to get sponsors, but you're actually producing a real show. So What's like, nice too is it's not it's not sound bites. It's not like well we have you know six minutes until the first commercial break. Right, you know, we're like there's like six talking heads and they're all trying to yell over someone and get oh, their that's point the point across. Nobody wants, that's not, that's not how you learn anything. That's how you oh. find, you just get sound bites and memes from that. That's not real. And he had, he, again, I listened to him last week and one of his guests was saying people's attention spans, either they're, they want a 200 and was it 80 in Twitter? I think, yeah, 280 characters or a three hour podcast. Like it's either super short attention span or really yeah. long attention span. It's that middle area where things are kind of, kind of dying on the vine. Like well, sitcoms, a, like, a, like people like who's watching sitcoms anymore. They're, they're so just, it's the same formula. It's just garbage. It's trash. It's just an, an outdated relic. Yeah. So now there's like a hybrid, right? Which I think Joe Rogan's is good because He's got a lot of followers and he has a lot of people work for him. So they take the podcast, they split it up and, and it's, you can ingest in little bites. You can ingest in the whole thing. Like you can start and stop whatever. Cause it's a long podcast. Um, 
But now on TV, the little 13 year old that lives in the house now, <laughs> Pody, and he watches the podcast slash talk morning show on TV for sports. And I'm like, dude, I can't see watching this fucking show anymore. Like I, I, I really have enough of it because I'm like, they actually covered it in the first five sentences, the highlight, like move on to something else. And then they start talking about, it. and after, after like five minutes, you realize it's all speculation. It's, it's bullshit. They're making up a story. They're not interviewing somebody. They're making up their own story about somebody and what that means and speculating on, you know, how the team's going to do, how that person's going to play. It's like, you didn't talk to them. You have no insight okay. to that person, you know, but here they are talking every morning about all these people and like, just show the fucking clip and move on. Like that's why sports center sweet spot used to be show the highlights and move on. Now they've gotten into something else of like trying to do this and trying to do that. It's just a little, you know, it hits and misses, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And then you have, they have to try to compete now because you know what? Someone like a bar stool is coming in and well, offering yeah. a different point of view, being kind of like the more fun, like ESPN used to be back in the day. Exactly. And instead of being this disnified, boring, castrated show, um, you have someone like Barstool coming in and be like, hey, you know what? Like, we're bored of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Let's let's inject some life back into sports. And they're giving people like, it's, it's funny. Everybody thinks like, wow, they came along. They got a new fresh attitude. It's like, no, it's the same old attitude. They just didn't fucking sell out or change. It's the non castrated version of what, what we used to love. Yeah. But when you get into a podcast now, like you look at Joe Rogan, so he'll do a three hour podcast, but you know what? You're like, holy shit, that was an in-depth conversation. And I know so much more about the person he was talking to or interviewing. Like you appreciate him, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that makes a big difference when you talk about the sound bites and the clips and everything. Now you're getting like the real deal in depth and that's the power podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, he's had, he had Roseanne Barr on, you know, after her, that whole issue where she made some allegedly racist tweets and, you know, she kind of, Oh yeah. I remember vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. She called some lady like, uh, I don't know, something from planet of the apes and, like Jeez. didn't didn't even think like he, yeah like she, but she was on like cocaine's Ambien. a hell of a drug <laughs> she was on Ambien weed and booze damn cocaine's yeah. a hell of a drug she's as I like, quote Chappelle being yeah, right. uh Ray, well Rick James cocaine's yeah. a hell of a drug cocaine's a hell of a drug so yeah it's it's really cool that I mean that podcast even exists you can find something super niche I mean you can't go on TV right now and watch something about skiing. Right now, yeah. I'm pretty sure nothing is on. Yeah. But you can go on, look up Highfalutin Ski Bums, download this podcast. You can download 197 episodes and you can get a fun, comedic, skiing-based lifestyle podcast. You get the whole gamut. You get fun. You get a lot of frustration. You get a lot of crap. You get a lot of stuff from our podcast. I you get you. a lot of bang for your buck on this podcast. That's right. We get great interviews. I got to say, the interviews that we've had... I never really think fun. about it, dude. I never think about it, but like they are very good interviews. Like we've had really good people, good interviews. Maybe you go to somebody... podcast.com. They're there. That's some real good ones. And we really didn't get started doing it a lot until last year. Last year was the year where we, you know, we really 
got a got a bunch of them. You know, we got to meet yeah. more people, and it's like, oh well, this person you should talk to this person, and it kind of led to this chain of of just talking to these great people. And you know, we've got had a few already this year. We have a bunch of lined up. It's just have some uh, logistical issues getting getting some things to work out. But we have a lot Life of happens, man. People get busy. We have a lot of, do we have a lot of fun people we still have to talk to? And yeah, yeah. some of them are, you know, really immersed in the ski industry. Some are a little more fringy, but you know what? Like we have, because of the format of our show, we're not, we're not talking strictly about skiing because let's be honest, those podcasts are boring. We have a lot more fun and, you know, kind of use skiing as like the core of the lifestyle and then look at all the different rings that wrap around what make skiing fun so yeah we have some cool people lined up uh in the next couple of months uh again i have we have so many people that we want to talk to that we should be good to go through almost into the summer which yeah. i'm excited about i guess yeah i'm i'm proud of the ones that we've had because even the beginning ones that we had we had some really good like i we had magnify brewing which is blowing up like we had you know US that was Paul, 2015, like, I think. I know that was like one of the first ones. Long time ago. I mean, shit. I mean, we we did some pretty pretty interesting ones. I mean, Cameron um, Cameron Nas back in 2018. Ca- Cameron's blowing that shit up every week. He's like posting from a different place. Like he's doing, he's placing. Yeah, he's he's a badass. He's a good dude too. Yeah, I tell you what, that was one of the most fun interviews we ever had. Like that was fun. I'm just. The only thing that I wish was different is that we would have been in a bar having beers with them. Like that would have been freaking awesome. That, or we went to that conference room that we went with uh, Mike to last year. Yeah. Right. And actually like a nice little setup. That was, that was a cool setup, but no, like I could, I could see hanging out with him. Like, uh, I wish I wouldn't have a giant coffee and Red Bull in my system for that interview. Cause I was like, so like, I dude, talk was fast. Awesome. I talk fast regularly. I was so amped up that, that was awesome it was like we did a line of cocaine like, hey man that so, uh, what's going on uh how you training for uh next crash test event it's like settle down chill out it's gonna Dude, be all it's right. like it's like you realize you drank like a few red bulls before doing this interview right that plum one was really good yeah that was that was pretty good yeah i got a shout out so melody was looking at uh hockey camps for bodie the red bull hockey camp in um is it switzerland i think it's in switzerland damn or sweden it's in sweden fucking awesome dude you gotta look it up it's like uh what is it called it's like it's a hockey and soccer camp and it's an academy so people go to school there and board like it's a boarding thing and i'm sitting there looking at with her and i'm like this looks fucking amazing and then it hits me again. I'm like, they started with a stupid little freaking drink that you were like, oh my God, they're treating it like gold, rolling it in on these little trucks or little vans, like delivering it. And everybody wanted to drink them. And it got more power and more tension and more about. And then they said, you know what? Fuck that. We're, we're not just about soda. We're about a lifestyle, which is yeah. kind of like when we talk about a podcast, we're like, we do the podcast, but it's also about the lifestyle, like the, the lifestyle we want to be our lead. And they branched out. They do racing. They do fucking the, the air racing. They do this academy, which is amazing. Think about how many like good hockey players they do men, women, youth, they do soccer players. Like 
how many great athletes they're going to build out is of this the academy. one in um in salzburg austria that's the one okay looks freaking I love, awesome i love the second comment on the youtube video it goes is this the avengers base <laughs> It looks like it, right? Dude, it looks unbelievable. Dude, it's the Avengers base of <laughs> soccer and hockey. You send your kid there and be like, okay, we'll see you at Christmas. See you later. <laughs> and your fun kid comes out. back and you're like, I don't even recognize you. You're so jacked. You're jacked and you play fucking crazy. You're getting like five goals a game. Like what's going on? Like it's truly stunning, this place. Dude, we're trying to see if there's like a summer camp. Like I told Melly, I'm like, just take like... We'll figure it out. Just take a fucking, just take two months off. Go for the entire summer. Hang out in Salzburg and just hang out with them and let them go to camp. It's actually where like, where like Hitler's uh, retreat was. Wasn't it in Salzburg? That was Germany. That was, um, I thought it was, uh, the, it was called the bear claw or the bear's nest or the, oh, Eagle's that was nest. the eagle's nest. Was it Ober, was it Ober Salzburg? Ober Amagau. Oberamago. Yeah. It was definitely somewhere near there. That'd be really funny if they like converted like Hitler's uh Hitler's former like retreat into like this hockey and, and soccer academy. Oh, so this is the <laughs> Hitler Youth Soccer Camp. Uh allegedly. Kelston House. What could be the third Reich And that's the Eagle's Nest. Kelston House. This place looks unbelievable, though. Dude, it looks like fucking great, right? It looks and they like have, so much fun, yeah. So there is a family in Sweden. This is in Sweden, right? This is Salzburg, Austria. Oh, Austria. Okay. So he has a friend in Sweden that comes to visit. He wants to move down to Florida, but his dad's working up there or whatever. And he, he comes down. So when he comes down from Sweden... He plays with the team. So it's pretty freaking awesome. He comes in. He's like, I'm here for like a month. Like, can I play with you guys? Like, shit. Yeah, he's great. So um, I told, I told Mel, I'm like, just, that'd be great to go to the academy with him. Like, that's like getting all involved. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even go to like a fucking summer I didn't go to any like baseball camp. Like everyone's like, Hey, did you go to Lee Mazzilli baseball camp? I'm like, Lee no, Mazzilli. I didn't. I remember those. Yeah. Fucking Lee Mazzilli was everywhere, man. And I remember guys would come back and they'd be like hitting the ball a ton. I'm like, how the fuck did you learn how to hit the ball? Goddamn Lee Mazzilli baseball camp. I'm like, Mazzilli. This shit you got to do. There's a place by my, my parents live. They had a, uh, one Rented of Lee Mazzilli. I was so jealous. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. So there was a place where my parents, they have a, um, there was a guy who grew up there who went to the major. He, he definitely went to triple a, I think he got drafted by the Oakland A's. His name oh, nice. was Jack Cust and he was a local guy and he started this whole big baseball Academy down there now. So you go down there and there's like, you know, like nine diamonds. There's like off season training, like a whole Damn. like baseball training Academy. See, I love seeing how like, Things get so blown. So I always thought like if you had a college, right? And your college was like, we're going to teach you like some shit, but you're going to play like and be the best you can and fuck the NCAA. 
that'd be great. We're like, we're going to let you do commercials. You'd be the best one. Get like Zion in there doing commercials, but like, fuck you, NCAA. I'm here with like, whatever, superstar college and just like, XFL college, pretty much. Fucking just playing pros. You'd be like, no, nah, we just play, we're a club team. We just play pros once in a while and off times, just beat them at, beat their ass in. Like, it, that'd be great, right? That's what Vince McMahon should do. Have like an alternate college <laughs> group for athletes. XNCAA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the XCAA. XNCAA. No, don't even fucking hide it. It's like X in front of NCAA. Because <laughs> oh, he's be like, awesome. you're going to sue me over this, but I don't give a shit. Everybody knows what it is, brother. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Next time you see Hulk, put it past him. Dude, I am a season ticket XFL holder. What? Yeah. Dude, season tickets were a hundred bucks for the whole season. <laughs> Listen, as someone who five had, games, 20 bucks a piece. I, some, I'm sitting third row up. It's fucking great. As someone who had original <laughs> New York's New Jersey Hitman season tickets. <laughs> Hit I have to ask you. I'm like, I'm like, you shouldn't have done it, man. It's way Dude, I, I did ask me a Raymond James uh actually. So the Tampa Vipers, they got the shit kicked out of him. But uh, Quentin Flowers is one of their guys. He played for USF, which played in the same stadium. So there's a big following. Like, I don't know. It'll be fun. So, uh, we're in Florida. We're not yeah. in – we're a, not in This is a giant stadium. <laughs> exactly. On a Saturday night. You're like, Dude, it's February. I'm like, great. It cooled down to like 70 degrees. Like, God. Dude, we're it was hanging out. so cold those nights. <laughs> I'm just – you're just in there. The first game, we're like, "Why are we doing this to ourselves?" Yeah, so cold. This this game sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> players are terrible. Well, at least they cleaned it up. They don't have like the uh, the drama shit with like other stuff outside of football involved. And they they changed the rules, and it's a faster game, much faster game. Oh, really? Did, Did you watch any of it like opening weekend? Yeah, went out and uh, so they do, I think it's 25 minutes like huddle and they don't even huddle, but now the receivers run, uh, I think it's receivers running back quarterback and the coaches all have headsets. So the NFL, it's just the, whatever the coaching quarterback, and, right? and the quarterback, just quarterback right? Yeah. Just one person. It could be quarter, It's usually the quarterback. Um, so they all have headsets. So, so they don't give a shit about noise. So what they're doing is they're actually calling the plays right after the play ends before they even go to like try to huddle and they barely even huddle. So the game is just like, boom, it's like no huddle offense every time. So it's, oh. it's a lot quicker. Things up, yeah. Yeah. So it, they got a lot of good things and, and hopefully out of it, like you'll get some good players you get. So they actually did a good thing. They said, they drew a line in the sand. They said, look, you signed with the XFL. NFL just had people injured and they want to, you know, you could definitely go in and play. They're like, we're not going to let you out of contract. No, really? So you can't play for the NFL. So the NFL season's before the XFL. So now after the XFL season, guys that are good that prove themselves in the XFL are probably going to be able to sign with the NFL. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of more feeding the NFL, but it's not going to backfeed the NFL by saying, oh, well, you got this guy and, you know, screw you, whatever. So I think you're going to see a lot of... uh Older players, you know, after they, you know, get out of the NFL, playing the XFL, because I tell you what, some of these guys can still play. So, where Tom Brady's going, dude. Tom Brady, freaking 
Is I there don't a know. Boston team? Huh? Is there a Boston XFL team? <laughs> <laughs> he'll start one. Yeah, he'll start one. Dude, Brady's gonna go. I'm thinking Brady's gonna go to LA or uh freaking uh Vegas. That's uh, what my call is, but I don't know. The Raiders. The Raiders. Dude, Vegas, like it's not on the map yet. It's gonna be the most packed stadium every week because people are gonna come into town to watch a team play that Vegas. It's gonna be bananas. Dude, even if Gruden puts a shit team on the field, everybody's gonna be like, Great. Huh? Gruden get fired. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> That's how far away from he he did hard knocks and everybody's like, oh Gruden, but I think he may have gotten fired. That must have been recently. Yeah, I'm 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 not a sportscaster, so yeah, I can't been, listen to it. Once once the season ends, I'm like, it's dead to me. Yeah. It's all hockey right now. That's right. You gotta follow hockey. Dude, the bee's Dude. a good kid. <laughs> bee's a good kid. Do that commercial with the uh for the Super Bowl where um all the people from Boston are parking. <laughs> Dude, you got smad pack. <laughs> I love that. He's like, look, look at this kid. <laughs> what you like, Habba? Packed it. Adam? Yeah, don't worry. Packed it. it. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking that's great. It's it's creepy scary how much the technologies emerge where you can have your car park. They did the parallel park, which freaked me out. And mm-hmm. I still don't trust it. Uh, I don't have it on my car because I'm too ghetto to have a car like that. And then the smart park is a little freaky too. Yeah, my car is just old muff cabbage. It barely runs, but you know, it doesn't have you know, smart pack. You know, somebody's gonna to launch that smart park right into the fucking highway. <laughs> 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 or are they gonna say, "I put on smart park and it just launched into fucking road"? I don't know. I'm wicked hammered, but that smart park is the one that crashed the car. Yep. <laughs> yep. We went on a lot of directions there. Talk after starting out with Joe Rogan, but. <sighs> God damn. And that's what Joe Rogan does to you. Get these rants. You're allowed to go on these journeys. That's why the Joe Rose- Rogan experience is like four hours long, right? Exactly. Boom. All right. You want to wrap us up then with this last story? I'm going to wrap this up because this is cute, cuddly, and just funny as hell. Uh, so there's a it's Japanese. Impressive. Huh? impressive too. Oh, yeah. So there's a Japanese artist that turns awkward animal photos into hilarious sculptures so you got to click on the link that we have in our show notes you got to subscribe to our newsletter you got to skip on podcast.com um but uh so this artist is from japan their name is metasai metasai yeah so they have a unique hobby of turning awkward photos of animals into sculptures and they're freaking cute and cuddly and hilarious and like just they're kind of funny. So they take especially on like I see like little animal photos on Instagram all the time and stuff like that. And they have the first one is like this cat in this weird little pose like it's jumping up for like a treat or something like that. Boom. Perfect representation. It looks almost like it's dancing. Like it's got like it's like moving its arms to the side and it's on like one foot dancing. It's doing the Elaine dance <laughs> from Seinfeld. <laughs> a little kick out with the arms moving in a different direction. It's I fucking love, hilarious. love the jacked up fox. <laughs> the it jacked like, up. It looks like two foxes. Well, it, it, two foxes are laying together 
and they're almost like perfectly symmetrical, but you only see the head laying on the tail, but it looks like two big shoulders and arms crossed with the fox's head on it. So this person, like this uh, Mitasari, created this jacked up looking fox based on that. <laughs> that Jack Fox is awesome looking. It's great. So what's messed up is you look at the original picture and it's almost like when you, at the zoo, when you look at the, uh, the apes or the, the orangutans, like they're just jacked and like just big and like they're hanging out. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, it's true. It's a little disturbing, but awesome. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, just weird, weird moments in time where, you know, maybe you have multiple animals together. That, so it looks like, but it looks like one. And this guy, or this woman, whoever this artist is, made these really funky sketches or figurines of those pictures. Dude, the best is like, so now we have the whole coronavirus shit going on, right? So that he, there's an actual picture of a cat wearing a mask. <laughs> and it's funny because it's almost like Hannibal Lecter meets like doctor, like surgeon kind of thing. And there's like a sculpture of it. Like if that shit was for sale, I would buy that little sculpture and put it in my house. Cause it's fucking awesome. It is pretty sweet. It's like a little blue mask, blue surgical mask on a cat, <laughs> but it's yeah, mimicking reality, which is nuts. Yeah. A lot of these photos is just, you know, they caught the animal at a really hilarious <laughs> moment and has yeah this this artist created these really cool figurines based on that so we can only talk cat eggs are funny the cat eggs i like the one with the dog with the frisbee (laughs) that one's good so yeah we'll have to put this in the show notes i'll have to check it out uh it's really more enjoyable to see the photos than to hear us describe the photos that's for sure you definitely have to see the photos yeah which you can go do at skibumpodcast.com so thank you so much for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Podcast. We have a shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. We got some cool shirts. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be a sponsor. We need new sponsors. So somebody got to reach out. They're like, what's up? They're thinking to pay for itself. Also, check us out on YouTube. We are on all your favorite podcasting apps, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Relic <laughs> from a former era. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya.